Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. I think Elon Musk may have just done a deal with the devil in an effort to save Twitter. Now, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to go through this video. I'm going to give you some evidence. I'm going to go ahead and connect the dots, and I'll let you draw your own conclusions. Now, I don't know that he's doing this intentionally. I think this may be something he's doing inadvertently. I think he he may have been duped. I think he may have a spy within the ranks that is working on the behalf of the devil. And when I'm talking about the devil, I'm talking about the Malthusian Marxist cult that is trying to control the world right now. And I think you guys know exactly who I'm referring to, the Global Elite World Economic Forum, UN, etc. So let's start by going over this clip, which I think if you if you if you're new to the channel and you don't know exactly what I'm referring to or why I would call the World Economic Forum a Malthusian cult of people like Bill Gates, uh, obviously Klaus Schwab, the, the the Davos types, I want you to listen to this clip from this uh, Avengers movie. I can't recall what the name of the uh, movie was, but is this Avengers movie with Thanos and this Thanos character? in my opinion, is based on the global elite. I mean, he is straight. I, I, I would say he's a, almost a replica of Bill Gates as far as his worldview. Let's go over this clip and you'll know, and you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. This is Avengers. Oh, it's called Infinity War. And uh, this is Thanos explaining his plan and for those of you who didn't watch the movie basically thanos his plan is to kill half the population of the universe but in his eyes he's a martyr he's doing it for the greater good why because there's scarce resources and too many people where have you heard that before but let's get into this clip and it's it's eerie when you listen to it and juxtapose it to pretty much every single blog post <laughs> or every single word that comes out of Bill Gates' mouth or every single blog post on the World Economic Forum site. Saved you. We were happy on my home planet. You went to bed hungry, grounding for scraps. Your planet was on the brink of collapse. I'm the one who... Half the planet. The small. You know what's happened since then? The children born have known nothing. Full bellies and clear skies. Little one. Okay, so let's stop right there. I know the volume's a little bit low there. Josh, can you hear that? Yeah, it's a little low, but I hear. Okay, good. Yeah, so this this gal is saying, uh, you know, that he killed half the planet, and he's saying that he saved the planet because prior to him coming in and killing half the population, there weren't enough resources to go around. So the kids were having to go to bed at night with empty stomachs. The kids were having to go around, and instead of going to school, they're just scrounging for scraps to try to get some form of food. And he says, now look at the planet. I came in and did what had to be done. I killed half the people of that planet. But he said, now look at how it's changed. Now it's a paradise. Because there's an equilibrium between the resources and the people, now kids have nothing to worry about. They go to bed at night. And their stomach is full. See, this is Thomas Malthus. It goes all the way back to the 1800s. This is exactly what they stated in the Limits to Growth that was written by the Club of Rome 
in the late 1960s. And this is what the World Economic Forum that we know today, these are the ideas it was built on. Let's keep going. Simple count universe is finite. If life is left unchecked, life will... I'm the only one who knows. At least I'm the only one with the will to act on it. There you go. He says this universe that we live in has finite resources. He says, I'm the only one that knows that, or maybe I'm the only one that's willing to act on it. See, I think if you got Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates in a room and you sat them down and you gave them a couple beers or whatever, they would openly admit that they want to kill half the planet. But their argument would be the exact same argument that Thanos is using. That there's just too many people, George. There's not enough resources. So let's just take this to its logical conclusion. I think this is how they'd argue it. Either we continue to allow the 8 billion people on Earth to continue breeding and continuing to have more kids. Either we allow the population, even if it flatlines, to keep going at this level, and then that 8 billion people, those 8 billion people destroy the planet, and then it eradicates the human race. That's choice number one. Or choice number two, we just work on killing everyone right now. Not killing everyone, killing half the people right now. And then we have, we're buying ourselves another thousand years worth of resources. We're back at that equilibrium. And Thomas Malthus always points out the benefits of things like a plague, disease, war, and how at surface level it may seem bad, but once you actually think about it, well, there are some good things because it brings that equilibrium between resources and population back in line. Let's keep going. Where do you think he brought your home? Was. Titan was like most many mountains when we face dilution in what I predict. That's climate right there. He's showing his planet as it is. And then he shows his planet before they ran out of resources. Again, climate change. It's a whole Malthusian push, right? And then he says, I offered a solution, which was killing half the people. And they called me a madman. You see, Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab, these guys, they'll never come out and say that they want to eliminate 4 billion people because everyone's going to call him a madman. But you got to look at their actions. And Bill Gates has explicitly, explicitly said over and over and over again, even on his own YouTube channel. I've used the clip there many, many times. He's explicitly said that there's a population problem. And if you listen to the way these global elite talk, it's, 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 there, it's obvious that they have the exact same view, but they just don't want to say the quiet part out loud. Let's get back to the clip. All six stones, not my mercy. The hardest choices. The hardest choices require the strongest wills. You see, if you go back in time with all the psychopaths, I mean, just look at the 1900s. Look at the time around the 1920s and 1930s. Not just in Germany, but in Russia, in Europe, that's not uh, Nick. That's not some sort of uh, anomaly with history. You go back in time, and it's you see this over and over and over and over again. The true psychopaths, the true psychopaths, are the guys. It's usually guys that believe they're doing God's will. They they truly believe that by eliminating, let's say five million people in a certain race in the 1930s or going into the 1940s, they truly believe that they are doing good. It's just they're the only ones with the balls to do it. Just like Thanos. Exactly. Now, then you have other people in there. So like in the thumbnail, 
we use Bill Gates, and then I use Larry Fink. I would not put Larry Fink in the category of Thanos. I'd put Bill Gates in his category. I'd put Klaus Schwab in his category. I would put uh, Fink in the category of simply an opportunist. Look, he's running BlackRock. He makes money with assets under management, right? And so not only that, he makes money on the fees he charges for the assets that he manages. So if he can set up all these green funds, you'll, you'll notice, and I've done videos on this, where BlackRock's ESG funds or whatever, they charge a higher premium. They, har- they charge higher fees. Okay, so the more people he can get into that green ESG fund, the more fees he's going to generate. It, it's it's all about money for BlackRock and Larry Fink, in my opinion, in my opinion. For Gates and Klaus, I don't think it's 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 their worldview. I don't think it's about money. So now let's get to actually let me redo the screen share here. Okay, let's shoot over to CNBC because right now Bill Gates is in Dubai, I believe along with Larry Fink and they're talking about basically Malthusianism. So we see that Bill Gates warns the world is likely to smash through a critical warning threshold. And over here on the right, see a title title of this other article, the UAE seeks to silence critics with $30 billion climate fund pledge with who? Ah, that's right. BlackRock. BlackRock. So the UAE, I don't think is, I wouldn't put them in the Thanos category. I think that they are simply trying to do this for PR because they're trying to improve their image. So more people move there, they can get the world, you know, all these things because they want to diversify their economy. My base case is that's kind of their main motivation, but they think that they can do this by teaming up with BlackRock and Larry Fink. Then Larry Fink is sitting there. Yeah, let's team this up because I'm going to make all this money with all these fees, more assets under management. And people are, if they're willing to give me money for an ESG fund that they know isn't going to make money, they're more than willing to give me additional fees because for them, their priority isn't about money. It's just about doing something that makes them feel good. Let's get back to Bill Gates here. And he says, fortunately, we've made enough progress that we're not going to have extreme cases like four degrees Celsius warming, but we'll sadly probably even miss the two degree goal. Okay, so we might not have the extreme case like four degrees, but we'll uh, miss the two degrees because as we go through this article, we can see that he says, you know, we've been we've been making progress. We we've been doing some things. Uh, you know, we started this push in 2015 or whatever, and uh, now because of all of our genius, and because we've made some really tough choices, because we've really declined the use of all those bad fossil fuels, then look at what we've done. We've made some improvements, but we haven't improved enough. You see, they've always got to leave the carrot in front of the horse. And the solution is always just give me more power, more control. Or the solution is always just, well, let's lower the energy use, which they don't tell you lowers the population. This is a dog whistle to Thanos or the people who believe in this plan. And you say, George, what does this have to do with Elon Musk? We're going to get to that in just a moment. So I want to go down a couple of things with this article that I highlighted to show the hypocrisy and why, although global warming might be a problem, uh, I'll let you be the judge there. I can assure you Bill Gates doesn't care about global warming. He's He cares about the same thing that Thanos cares about. 
And that is the equilibrium in his mind between scarce resources and population. But let's just go over and do some quick critical thinking, which of course is what the global elite don't want you to do. This is from the Visual Capitalist, History of Energy Transition. And as Bill Gates said, remember, we're making a lot of progress because we really started pushing this in 2015 or whenever it was. And now we've got all these electric cars. That's great. And we've got California. They're going to ban diesel vehicles by 2035 or, or whatever their plan is. You know, we've got all of these politicians, all the central planners coming in and doing all these great things. Because we realize that the enemy, the enemy is fossil fuels. And we've been tackling that problem to the point where we're not going to be really bad at four degrees, but we might be a little over two degrees, as if it's even possible to measure that. So let's look at the amount of fossil fuels that we have been using recently. And based on what Bill Gates is saying, I mean, hey, we've been doing a lot better, right? We're no longer headed straight for that 4% or four degrees Celsius. Um, So then you would assume, based on what he's saying, the amount of energy use, fossil fuels especially, would have gone down recently, over the last, let's say, 10 years. And when we look at this visualization, and this is energy use going all the way back to 1800, broken down by source, we can see that, hmm, We're not using less coal. And in fact, I don't think this is updated because if it was, it would show we were using more coal. Uh, Oil, more of that. Gas, more. Nuclear, more. Renewables, more. So although we are using more renewables, which may be great, we're still using more fossil fuels. So if we're using more fossil fuels, why are we not still projected to increase the global temperature by four degrees? I don't understand. You see, this, guys is why they don't want you to do your own research. Remember back during the Cervasa sickness when I referenced that article from Forbes several times? And the the title of the article and the premise was basically, it's dangerous for you to do your own research. So don't even try. All that thinking you've been doing? No, no, just, just forget about that. That's dangerous. Just go ahead and delegate that to the experts. Just go ahead and delegate that to Larry Fink and Bill Gates, and they'll take care of you, and they'll take care of your kids. And if you don't believe me, let's just go right back to the CNBC article. And we're going to skip around here a little bit. But the last thing that Bill Gates says is we want, and now remember, what, what, what did Thanos talk about in the first very first clip? He talked about how he saved all the children. He provide by killing half the population, he provided a better future for the children that were actually left. Now let's read what Bill Gates says. We want not just our children, but many generations to come to have an even better life than we do. If you really listen to what Bill Gates says, you don't even have to like get, you you don't even have to fill in the blanks. Just, just, Just listen to it objectively. It is exactly, exactly the worldview that Thanos has. In that movie. Now let's go back here to a couple more quotes or to a couple more things I highlighted. The world has already warmed by 1.1 degrees Celsius, scientists say, after over a century of burning fossil fuels, as well as unequal and unsustainable energy use. The reason I highlighted this is because just look, it, it reads 
straight from a Thomas Malthus textbook. <laughs> I mean, when you actually just connect the dots, it's just so obvious right in front of your eyes. But if you say this stuff, you know, people call you a tinfoil hatter or a conspiracy theorist. It's like, no, don't listen to me. Just listen to, don't, this is not my opinion, for heaven's sakes. This is what they are telling you. All you have to do is recognize what it is they're saying. The UN has previously said it is the 1.5 degrees Celsius threshold that should be considered the upper limit if humanity is to avoid the worst of what the climate crisis has to store. Now, here's one thing that I, any of you that have a, a friend or family member, Fred, or something like that, that is incredibly gung-ho on this, on this green movement, on the energy transition, climate crisis, blah, 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 blah. Just ask them what the trade-offs were. If I was interviewing Bill Gates on this channel, I'd ask him many, many things. I'd probably bring up that clip of Thanos. But one thing that I would ask him is I would say, Bill, you know, you're a smart guy. You realize that whenever you're dealing with pretty much anything in this world that we live in, you're dealing with trade-offs. There are no solutions. There are only trade-offs, like Thomas Sowell says. So let's assume for a moment that the earth does warm by two degrees. You highlight the costs all the time. What are the benefits? I would sit back and just listen. Listen to the crickets. Because it isn't possible to have a change in the climate by, let's say, two degrees and not have some sort of benefit. Like you can't, it can't just be all bad, right? You say, oh my gosh, well, George, there's going to be more tornadoes and tsunamis and hurricanes and blah, blah. There's going to be all this uh, extreme weather. Okay, fine. That That's a cost. And I would agree that's bad. What's the benefit? You see, if let's just assume that the temperature does increase, well, doesn't this mean that there's going to be other places in the world that we cannot grow crops right now that we will? be able to grow crops if the world is warming. You see, and that's just one example. So I'm not saying that there would be no negative impact, but you have to look at all of the changes. So then as someone is just looking at this objectively, you have to sit back and ask yourself, why? Why is the Malthusian cult so hell-bent on climate change, but they never, ever they only talk about the negatives, but they never talk about the positives. Now, I'm not saying that on net balance, the negatives wouldn't outweigh the positives, but it is very suspicious and I think intentional that they don't mention what those positives would be. Because if they can get you to use less energy, they will decrease the standard of living because energy is the economy. And if they decrease the standard of living, they will also decrease the population. Look, if you see a chart of this energy, we'll go back to that. That's an exponential chart that goes parabolic. Let's call it 1950. Okay. If you looked at a chart of global GDP, it's identical. If you look at a chart of population, global population, it's identical. It all starts with energy. So if you took this energy, let's say from where it is now, 180K terawatt hours. And if you took that straight back down to where it was in, let's say 1850, guess what would happen to the population? The population would also go back down to where it was in 1850. And if you're Thanos, 
or Bill Gates, that's a big win. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Jason Hartman, real estate, and Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. So what does this have to do with Twitter, Elon Musk, and him trying to save his business? So let's go over to uh, this fact-checking website. And this is actually something that I talked to Pat uh, Patrick Bet-David about when I was on his podcast. This was maybe six months ago or something. And uh, the, the title here is Twitter has a new CEO, about six months old, Linda Yaccarino. And it... And what they're fact-checking here, and if they're a fact-checker, you already know they lean left, worked on both World Economic Forum and the Biden administration. And you say, hmm, now I know that she was promoted by Trump to do a couple things, but we all know that Trump hired some people that turned out to be bad apples, to say the least. So this fact-checking thing uh, claimed that this was true. And we've got the highlighted bit here. Even before Musk's official announcement, rumors and reports about Yaccarino's new role had been circulating in the news and on social media. Some Twitter users condemned Musk for choosing Yaccarino, alleging she had ties with the World Economic Forum and the Biden administration. What did she do for the Biden administration? Ah, she helped promote a certain cerveza sickness medicine. And even this, I don't know what this website is, but I would assume since they're a fact checker that they lean left, these claims are true. Now, I want to double check though, in the sake of journalism here or journalistic integrity, uh, let's go to Linda's uh, LinkedIn page. And you can see, and I, I just did this. So this is not like a, a screenshot from something old here. Uh, she is not only a part of the World Economic Forum, she is an executive chair, and she has held that position since January of 2019. And up here, she also talks about one of her shining achievements, which was working with the Biden administration in 2021. And what she did specifically, again, was, and if, well, I'll just read it right from her, uh, her page here her LinkedIn profile, uh, she rallied, uh, let's see here, she uh, rallied support from the business community, the White House and government agencies to create a medicine campaign featuring Pope Francis, who is right at the top of the Malthusian cult, reaching more than 200 million Americans. Okay, 
So we can definitely say that that is true. Now let's go over to a tweet from Elon Musk himself. And this is when he first hired the gal. He said, I am excited to welcome Linda Yaccarino as the new CEO of Twitter. Linda's focus will primarily be on business operations. I want to repeat that. Her primary focus will be on business operations, running the business, running the day-to-day, which would include the advertising dollars and whatnot. But it's really, you're the person that's in charge there. You're the person that's actually running Twitter. Okay. Now let's go over to something that I find very interesting because you guys know the business model for Twitter, right? It's to sell advertising. Well, it's kind of a chicken, the egg type deal with an advertising business model. Because in order to sell advertisers, you have to have eyeballs, right? And the more eyeballs you have, the more the advertisers will most likely be willing to pay for those eyeballs. So with Twitter, it's interesting because the eyeballs or the amount of eyeballs they have on the platform is directly related to the individual users of that platform, right? So as an example, they point out here how Barack Obama has 130 million followers on Twitter. Okay, so that's a guy, like him or hate him, if you're focused strictly on the business model, you want this guy on Twitter (laughs) because he is bringing in a lot of eyeballs or engagement, if you want to call it that. And the more engagement that you have, then the more average. You know, another good example would be YouTube and Mr. Beast. Mr. Be- YouTube is going to bend over backwards to do anything that Mr. Beast wants. Why? Because he's bringing in the eyeballs, baby. And that's bringing in massive amounts of ad revenue. So my point here is that when you're one of these social media platforms, it, you those huge accounts you want to treat those like a Fabergé egg, right? That that's the goose that laid the golden egg. All these huge accounts like Mr. Beast would be for YouTube. Now, all their users are important, okay, of course, but those are by far the most important, right? Okay, so let's think this through. How many Twitter accounts, and this is from follower wonk, so I, I don't know if this is accurate. Seems like it, it most likely is, just using some common sense here. How many Twitter accounts have more than 1 million followers? 1 million. Less than 10,000. What percentage, you may ask, of Twitter accounts have over 1 million followers? Less than 1 one thousandth of 1%. Let me repeat. (laughs) Less than 1 one thousandth of 1%. So then you could say, okay, well, how many have over 100,000? So obviously a lot more, but we could see, we could say maybe it's it's probably in the range of uh, one in 100 of 1%. We're still talking about some serious rarefied air. And we're still talking about a group of individuals that you would not only want on the platform, but you would want them doing as much as they possibly could because that's going to create engagement. That's going to get the eyeballs and that's going to get the advertising dollars, especially at a time right now when you're hemorrhaging advertising dollars. So now let's look at this through the lens of my personal story. I have been banned, if you will, from Twitter since August 25th. 
Now, banned, I think, is probably the wrong word because what happened, uh, so Twitter says, is a scammer hacker took over my account. So I don't have access to it. So if you go to Twitter right now and pull up at George Gammon, you'll see the last post is August 25th, and that was from the scammer that took over my account. Well, let me be clear, because I know a lot of you say, well, George, you probably haven't done. Look, we have gone back and forth with Twitter 20, 30, 40 times over and over and over and over and over again to the point where I have literally hired Robert Barnes. You guys know exactly who he is, who he is, the constitutional lawyer that sued Twitter on behalf of Alex Jones. I've hired Robert Barnes and Robert Barnes has sent them numerous letters, numerous, not just one, Many, 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 many letters. And we say, look, all we want is just this just turned back on. And we keep going through their process, through the emails. Nothing, absolutely nothing. They, every single time they come back and say, we can't do anything. We can't do anything. We, how can you not do anything? It's you run the platform. Their argument is that I have control over this. If I have control over this, would I hire Robert Barnes to contact your legal department? And then we're at the point now we're, we're having to, um, we're basically sending them threat letters that if they don't do something, we're going to have to file a lawsuit against Twitter. And now keep in mind, guys, this is something that they could fix in 30 seconds. 30 seconds. This is not a tough fix. This is just simply turning on or turning off a verification and giving me access to the account so I can turn it back on. That's all we're talking about here, right? So you say, George, okay, I understand what's going on with Twitter and this sucks for you and all these things, but what does this have to do with Elon, the global elite, the Malthusian cult doing a deal with the devil? Don't you see? Don't you see what's happened here? Or I'm not going to say what's happened because I have no proof of this. I'm just trying to use some good old-fashioned common sense and connect some dots. And if I would not have had this personal experience with Twitter and still be going through this as we speak, I would not have had these insights at all. Because right now, if I would not have had this personal experience, and it's not just me, it's several people I know with huge accounts. So how many followers do I have? 250,000. So think about that. If I have 250,000 followers and each one of those tweets that I would send, not each one, but a lot of them would get a lot of engagement. Not that that was my intention, but they would. So if you're Linda Yaccarino and you're in charge, to Elon's point, you're in charge of day-to-day operations. You want guys like Barack Obama on there, but you also want guys like George Gammon. At least, if your number one priority is getting these advertisers back, see? So if you're the global elite, let's go back to that, and if your number one nemesis is Elon Musk and Twitter, how would you bring that down? What would your strategy be? I can tell you what my strategy would be. And that's bring it down from the inside. You see, if you're going to claim that, and, and I'm not saying that that Linda is a plant, maybe she is, maybe she isn't. I think this is these are questions that we should be asking based on the overwhelming evidence here. But let's just for a moment give her the benefit of the doubt and say that she is trying to clean up Twitter and she is trying to bring in ad dollars. She's trying to save it. She's trying to do all these things. She's trying to do what's best because that's the commitment that she's made to Elon Musk and she's trying to fulfill that commitment. Okay, if that's the case, then then why do you have all these accounts with way over 100,000 subscribe uh, followers and you're completely ignoring them? Why? Why? 
You see, I think it could be something where she doesn't want these people on the platform because she's looking Elon Musk in the eye and shaking his hand. And then she's going straight over to Davos and reporting to the group of people that she truly relates to and the group of people who she shares their worldview. And that's the Malthusian Marxist cult that I was talking about earlier, which she still claims that she is not only a part of, but she is an executive chair. You see, this is now, I hope I'm wrong, but it seems my, my base case is that the more evidence I get and the more I go through this, this ordeal with Twitter, the, the more I, I, I think to myself, you know, I, I don't see any other way. I, I don't see any other possibility. And again, I hope I'm wrong, but the overwhelming evidence seems to point to this gal being a direct plant from the World Economic Forum, from the Malthusian Marxist cult. And she likely went to Elon Musk, you know, hey, I'm this angel. I can save your company. Trust me. I like Ron Paul. Look at all the people that I follow on Twitter. They're all libertarians. I follow Bob Murphy and Tom Woods and the Mises Institute. <laughs> Look at this. And then he says, okay, fine. Yeah, come on in. Save the company. You're the person for the job. You've got all this experience. When in reality, she's coming in to bring take down Twitter. When in reality, she is coming in to not increase freedom of speech, but to increase censorship. Because the net result of what she's doing is censoring people. A lot of people that I know. And the common denominator with all of these people who are effectively being censored on Twitter right now, me being one of them, is that we have stood up against the World Economic Forum publicly multiple times. So I don't want this to be a hit piece. You know, I don't want this to be something where I'm jumping to all these conclusions uh, and I don't have any evidence for them. Uh, I want to be as, as fair and as objective as possible. And I don't want to condemn anyone. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know these people. I've never met them. I, I would love to meet them and actually sit down and talk to them. And I would love to talk to someone at Twitter and just ask them what the hell is going on. Because either you don't want these people on the platform, which is very odd because you need as much engagement as you can possibly get right now. Or you are quite literally the worst run company in human history. And either of those options goes right back to Linda. So I'd want to understand why, why, what, why are you doing this? What's your rationale here? But until the time when I'm able to speak to these people, I have to just look at the evidence and I don't want to come to any conclusions, but I don't want to ignore some of the things that are right here in front of our face. So I, I don't want to just sit back and bury my head in the sand and say, oh, well, there's no way this could be because that's just a conspiracy theory. No, we need to consider everything and then use some common sense, see how this plays out, and then determine, okay, what's the most likely scenario here? What is really most likely? Again, no certainties, only probabilities. But what's most likely going on behind the scenes? And I hope I change my mind. I hope I'm wrong. But right now, that's my base case. My base case is Linda is still loyal to the World Economic Forum, and Elon Musk doesn't even know it. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. We'll see you in the next video.